Hey, it's Ginger. Thanks for listening to the Quilt and Tell podcast. Be sure to stick around at the end of the episode for a special conversation I had with Amy Chestnut, the owner of Sonoma Wool Company. I just tried Sonoma Wool's new batting, and I gotta tell you, you should totally be using this wool for your craft projects and personal bedding. We'll help you rediscover the wonders of wool, so stay tuned at the end of the episode for a fun conversation. Welcome to Quilt and Tell, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Tracy Mooney. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Ginger Sheehy Taddick. Today, we are going on a sewing adventure. Our guest today is Meg Healy. She is the content producer for Sew Daily, and she is here to chat with us about combining quilting and garment sewing. In our Fine Finishes segment, our controversial topic is cutting up vintage quilts. So stay tuned. Well, hello there. Hello. Welcome back, ladies. You are uh, fresh off the Texas boat, right? Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, Lori and I just got back from International Quilt Festival in Houston. Yay. I have so many questions. How was it? It's been like killing me. Like Lori got on and I was like, I'm waiting to ask about it until we talk. <laughs> I was like, I want all the details. Oh um, how was it? Wonderful. Uh, it always is. Um, but especially after not having it last year, mm-hmm. it just felt so good to get to see all the beautiful quilts. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, pictures are great, but to actually see them in person, oh, that is amazing. And your sister came too, right, Lori? Yes. I had actually gotten my ticket before Quilt Market was canceled. So I had an extra while to spend with my sister. So I was there almost a week and uh, had a a wonderful time with my sister and got to meet some of her quilt guild. And um, it was it was really awesome. Oh, that's great. And then how about you, Tracy? Because you actually you took some classes, too, didn't you? I did. So I was um, I, I after market got canceled, I was supposed to go to market for work. And they decided to see if I could just sort of transfer my plans to festival and make it work. And I was able to. And so I uh, was tasked with going, seeing what everyone was really gravitating towards, um, get a taste of like the vibe of what quilters were feeling and how shops are doing and all of the vendors that were there and see the quilts, of course. And um, I decided that I really wanted to get the full festival experience. Uh, This was actually my first Houston festival. Nice. I've been yes, to, I've never been. Yeah, I've never been to festival. I've been to market, but not festival. Yeah. So I've been to I've been to the festival when it's in Chicago when I mm-hmm. when I used to live there. Um, but I'd go for one day and and you know and it's not quite the same. And I never took a class. So I thought, all right, I'm going to Houston. This is a big show, and I want the full experience. So I signed up for a mystery with Charlotte Angotti, nice. which was wonderful. It was so good. She is funny. 
and she um, makes laser cut quilt kits. So Ooh, everything nice. was cut up and it was in a little bag. Like you just got this little bag when you got there and you sat down at a machine that was all set up for you. And oh. then basically she took you through making these little mystery parts. Um, so our class, we only finished one block, but we finished almost all of the units for the the quilt top. And it was a, I think it was 40, either 40 by 40 or 48 by 48. So it was a small quilt. Um, so I was able to buy a second kit so that I can make it bigger. Nice. And so that was loads of fun. And then the next day I took an all day class and I took a a free motion quilting class with uh, Jenny Lyons. Oh, Oh, nice. Can I just tell you, I... It was so funny because I literally signed up for that one. I I got I kept having trouble getting a second class, and I really wanted to take something around free motion quilting, um, and everything was sold out. And so I ended up somehow. I think that it looked like that class was full, and I was able at the last minute. Maybe someone dropped out, um, and I was able to get a slot. And on the website, it said, um, it said it started at 8.30. And the day before the class, I realized that it started at 8 a.m. And I was so tired, so, so tired on Thursday. And I thought, oh, no, why did I sign up for a class at 8 a.m.? I wouldn't have done that. Why? You know, and I, oh. <laughs> I, by the time I got there and I sat down, I was so glad I had signed up for that class. Oh, yeah. I, I would have not been able to sleep the night before knowing Jenny was going to be the instructor. I'm I like, didn't oh. sleep. I had really terrible sleep that night. Oh. I was so nervous. Oh. Um, and and it's funny because it, it kind of it was a beginner free motion class. And I was staying with Terry Lucas and and love Terry. Love you, Terry. Thank you for oh, yeah. letting me stay with you. Um, but she was giving me a hard time. <laughs> she was giving me a hard time because she's like, Tracy, you're not a beginner. Why are you signing up for a beginner class? Um, and I ended up telling her that the reason why I wanted to sign up for it uh, was because I wanted to feel confident. I wanted to gain confidence because that's mm-hmm. something I'm lacking, right? And I also wanted to expand my repertoire of basic quilt patterns. Mm-hmm. in free motion quilting because gotcha. I got swirls down. I can yep. do loops. Um, and I can, I've, I've practiced drawing, but not on a quilt sandwich. So I went into this class and, you know, you get a stack of, they hand you a stack of, of quilt sandwiches that are blank that you get to just practice on. It's like and, empty canvases. <laughs> yes. And I didn't have to do anything. It was all set up and it was a little, oh. you know, they said we were at the, her, she's a Bernina ambassador. So that we had mm-hmm. Berninas in the classroom. They were the B475. So they're smallish machines and I could do it. <laughs> like, oh. It was amazing. I've never, I've never done free motion quilting on a, on a machine that didn't have a stitch regulator. And this did not have a stitch regulator. Oh, wow. And what was wonderful was I sat at at the front of the classroom and at one point she said, okay, listen. And she stepped on the pedal and she started moving the fabric. She's like, this is where I want you to be. Listen to this sound. And you don't get that when you take a class online. 
Oh yeah. You know, it, oh. it was, it was so good. So, um, so we started by practicing loops and I was like, okay, I know how to do loops. And then the next one was bubbles or pebbles. And, <laughs> and I've never stitched those out, but I've drawn them. Okay. And, um, and she came over, she went, Oh, that's glorious. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, I could do it. I could do yes. it. Um, like, so now you can add that to your repertoire, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then we got to stipple. Oh. I've never been able to do a stipple oh, at all. Yeah. And, and now she, you're a pro? She said, <laughs> she said, you know, this just might not be your thing. So just, oh. just try it. You know, don't worry. That's what she said to the class. Some people mm-hmm. just don't, you know, it's not their thing. And she explained like the, the shapes that we were supposed to do. And I was having such a hard time. I couldn't figure out between, you know, making all of these random shapes I couldn't figure out the path of where to go. So when your brain is telling you that you need to go left, but then you have to work your way around to go right, I couldn't keep all of those things in my head. And I told her so, you know, I was like, I just can't figure out the path. And so then she all of a sudden went up to the board and she she was drawing on a big piece of paper and she said, you know what, here you go. Let me try this. And she told us to do the pattern, do the same pattern in a C. And when she drew it out, I went, oh, she's making waves. Mm-hmm. That was the shape. For some reason, that was what unlocked it. Cool. So nice. it was really good. And and so I just, you know, I I was thinking about Victoria Finley-Wolf being on the show and saying, talking about the beginner mind. Mm. And I said, that was what it was for me. I was being a beginner and learning the fundamentals all over again. And it was great. Oh, it's always so great when you can slip back into that mind frame. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, and we actually, I got to work with Jenny. We did a series on the sewing side. It was uh, Stitch Lab. And the very final episode that's actually going to be launching um, this month in November, <laughs> it's um, Free Motion for Garments. And it's oh, awesome. She nice. teaches, like, she shows um, uh, Meg Healy and Kate Zynard this technique oh, of uh, basically it almost is like making lace where you go in and you cut out the the different uh, sections of it. So it almost, it, it really does almost end up looking like lace. It's beautiful. It's so awesome. So be on the lookout for that. I'll put a link to the Stitch Lab in our uh, thing. But Jenny's just amazing. So I'm so jealous. That's so awesome. It was good. Lori, what was your favorite thing that you saw at the show? Oh, wow. There were so many. Um, (laughs) I'm sitting here thinking. Um, Is it like trying to pick your favorite kid? uh, It really is. Um, There were wonderful pictorial quilts. Um, The one that uh, Hollis Chatelain did, she did... um, Two ladies who had just voted, and and my memory of it tells me that it was mostly done uh, monochromatic, except their little stickers that said "I voted." Aww. That Beautiful. one was wonderful. Ugh. Wonderful. Um, Janet Stone had two. Uh, one of them that was from her sheet series that was way cool. And the other one, did the other one have the alphabet, Tracy? 
I don't I can't remember, remember sure. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, um, and then Cherrywood uh, Fabrics did a challenge that that they used all pinks and reds, and uh, your quilt was supposed to be something about Princess Diana. Aww. Oh my! There were some wonderful things there too. Oh, I bet. What about you, Tracy? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so <laughs> I had a, a really funny story. Um, I got to there was a exhibit in there called In Full Bloom. It was all floral quilts. It was just a small. I think there were probably about I don't know fifteen quilts in the in the grouping, and I got in there. And there was this really beautiful quilt. It was called Vine 2 was the name of it. And it was very, um, at, at first I almost thought it was a Jane Sassaman, but it wasn't quite as ornate as that. And when I got closer, um, the pages were mixed up. And it was actually a Carol Breyer Fowler oh. gentry. That's okay. just new new last name um but the pages were mixed up and so i'm going i'm looking at it i'm all confused i'm counting and looking at the quilts on the wall and then all of a sudden i realized the woman next to me is doing the exact same thing (laughs) and she goes i think i think the pages are mixed up And, and then two more people came up and i saw them counting as well so i went you know, luckily I know a couple of people. <laughs> You're like, I can fix this. <laughs> so I sent a text to to Bob um, and and said, hey, uh, if if I think that there's a little mistake over here, who do I talk to? So he hooks me up with the head of the exhibits. Oh, and wow. she's literally all decked out, gloves on her hands. She's got a mask and a shield. And, you know, she's like ready to go. And she's like, she, she says, I can't imagine that they made a mistake. They're very careful about this, but you show me what it is. So I go and I show her and she crawls on the floor and she's checking all of the quilts in the row. And we get to the one where I said, this is the one where I think it's incorrect. And I read off what it's supposed to be. And she's like, oh, no, 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 that's wrong. <laughs> so she switches the pages. And um, I said, you know, this looks to me a little bit unusual for Carol Breyer Feller. And she said, well, have you seen her new one? And I went, no. And she's like, let me bring you over. Well, it was a pictorial quilt of an alpaca, I think. Ooh. And um, not at all her swirly style. Um, so we got into a whole conversation about how you know different that was like it was a departure from what we're used to seeing for her and i had walked by the quilt before and didn't look at the label so it i didn't even know that that wasn't her um and then my other favorite part of the exhibit was um the kathy york two-sided quilts yes so Lori and i were walking through and we were looking at this together so Lori took was taking funny pictures of me peeking out behind the quilts (laughs) because they were freestanding so you could see both sides of the quilt i was gonna say i was like you can do that (laughs) yeah (laughs) they were two-sided quilts so each side related to the you know to the front the back related to the front but they were two different quilts so it was very Lori like. I think. Oh, yeah. It was it, it no, it was way better than 
than what I do because her quilting tied together the front and the back. Yeah, well, oh, it would, wow. yeah, wouldn't it? Oh. It was incredible. Cool there stuff. Were, yeah, there was one where she did like big stitch along the the front of it and it made a pattern in the back. That's what Lori did. Like, oh, we, yeah. were, we were drooling and Lori looked at those and she said I, she needed to go home. must go play (laughs) um so uh i need to know also uh did you guys spend a ton of money like were there a lot because i know there were a lot of vendors there right a lot of money yeah (laughs) i did and i didn't um i was pretty tired by the time we got done with the exhibits and mm-hmm. and didn't do a whole lot of the vendors. I did get to spend some quality time talking to Marty Michelle. Oh, mm. lovely. Nice. And, and I had a fan moment. This lady came up and she looked at my name tag and she said, I thought it was Lori Baker. And I'm drawing a complete blank. I looked at her face, looked for a name tag. She didn't have a name tag. She said, oh, you don't know me. I listen to the podcast. And you sound just like you sound on the podcast. Nice. It was so fun. It was so fun. Oh, I had a nice sit down with Brenda Grills. Oh, cool. (gasps) Nice. Um, yeah. She's great. Um, she has she has switched over to um running, like being the head of, I guess, marketing for Superior Threads, which oh, was another yeah. one of their brands from Handy right. Culture. And book. um, and so she we, she and I sat down. Um, I think we should have her on the show again sometime soon. Yes. Just to talk about that, because I learned a lot. Um, I purchased some some thread and some needles from them because I had never tried really but anything beyond mm. bottom line thread of theirs. So I bought a few different on Terry's suggestion and nice. had a wonderful, just a really great talk with her. Um, the other thing that I just want to say before we go, because I know we really need to get to talking to Meg, um, but she, but the show was really wonderful. The vendors were very happy for the most part, except for a few. There were a few that I think just didn't really have a lot of foot traffic where they were based on the layout of the map. But um, there were several vendors that I spoke with that said it was their best show ever. Oh, oh good. Great. So people, quilters were, were showing up. They may not have been in the volume that they normally were. And the booth, certainly, I don't know what a normal Houston looked like, but from what I heard, it was smaller. Um, but the people who were there were there to spend money and were happy. Like they just seemed like everyone just seemed like they were so excited to be out with their quilting friends and able to shop and have fun and buy kits and buy fabric and buy notions and all of that. So it was, it was very nice. And just be with people. Oh, yes. be with fellow quilters. Yeah. Like, Oh, that yes. sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was very nice. Um, uh, you know, and there were people that I got to see there that, uh, that, you know, they would sort of stand back and go, I just want to hug you. And I was like, you can hug me. I'm vaccinated. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it in. You know? So it was, um, it, it was great. 
Yeah, well, it was fun, somewhat fun. Not as fun as being there, but uh, just checking everybody's Instagram feeds and like seeing all the posts, every picture posted, like the whole time that it was going on, like it was just really fun to see all the updates and see everything. And you could almost even just feel just the excitement that people had just for being there. Like even people before they even like when they were getting on the plane, they're taking pictures. Like that's right. just how excited they were. So yeah. it was it was fun being a bystander, but yeah, mm-hmm. I would have loved to have gone. So maybe maybe next year. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I I would love for us to plan to all three of us go next year. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yes. That'd be great. Yes. All right. So are you ladies ready to go talk to Meg? I'm excited. Yay. Let's go. I'm just glad you guys get to meet each other finally, like via, via the, what is this? The computer. uh, (laughs) Hey, at least you finally get to meet. Yes. Agreed. Can't wait. it's Ginger. I hope you're enjoying this edition of the Quilt and Tell podcast. I just wanted to remind you to stay tuned at the end of the episode for a fun conversation I had with Amy Chestnut, the owner of Sonoma Wool Company. We talked all about their incredible soft wool. I've tried the batting and it is so perfect for calf projects and personal bedding. I love that Sonoma Wool is sourced from family ranches and processed and manufactured in family-owned businesses in the United States. And their products are healthy for life from cradle to grave. Check out everything they have to offer at SonomaWoolCompany.com. And don't miss my conversation with Amy at the end of the episode. Okay, everybody. I am beyond excited today because my two worlds are colliding. I have uh, those of you that know. I uh, that know uh, my job here is I am actually the video producer for the sewing team, and today we have. Meg Healy, who is the content producer for So Daily News and just an all-around amazing person. I, oh, I just, <laughs> guys, I, I honestly, like when I think about it, it's so funny. There's two people that have really been like the guiding force in my sewing career here. And on the quilting side, Lori, you pushed me down that path. And then Meg, you were one of the people like your passion for sewing just oh, it's so contagious. It's so amazing. And there's days where I get up and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to work. And then I know I'm meeting with you or I'm working with you and I'm like, all right, yay, at least I get to see Meg today. And oh, that's and so you, sweet. Seriously, <laughs> I, I just, you know, so Meg Healy, welcome to our podcast. She is also the host of our sister podcast, Sew and Tell. Yeah. So it's her, Amanda Crestio, and Kate Zynard, and they're just awesome too. But Meg, you, it, it's just always been a joy to work with you. I think you were one of the first courses that I had done um, yeah. uh, when we started filming on the, when I started filming on the sewing side, and you just dove in and you're like, yep, let's just do this. And I feel like you you have that same attitude with not only your, your filming, but just any project you take on. It's like, does anything freak you out or scare you? <laughs> <laughs> well, quilting did until, until you made, until we, I tried it and it actually like turned out so much better than I thought. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, this is fun. This could be fun. I always said I wouldn't have, make a quilt until, you know, um, I, yeah, until I was like a grandmother, I said, I wouldn't make a quilt, but now here I am. 
<laughs> no, it's not just for grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the whole reason this came about and the reason we invited you on today is because you have made your first quilt. Yes. And, um, you know, this was, it was part of a series that we were doing. It's called uh, Style Revive. Mm-hmm. And what she had done is while uh, Meg doesn't have any babies yet, she does have a bunny. So <laughs> she was able to make a new little uh, quilt. She had used some milky, minky fabric and um, created this adorable, it was kind of a patchwork. Um, it was like a nine mm-hmm. patch quilt and um, had worked with, like, she didn't take it, uh, you know, easy on herself because working with me, you can be really tricky sometimes. But man, she just uh, took that on and um, did that. And it was really fun. And so I was in the episode and got to kind of like walk her through the process. But before that, she dabbled a little with free motion, which for most quilters, it's pretty scary. And <laughs> oh my goodness, she just dove in. She was so fearless. I mean, it looked like she was having the time of her life. She was like, woo, all right. You know, I think because you didn't have any of those fears that I think maybe some of us quilters have when we go in. What was that like when you were doing that? It was, uh, yeah, I just really went for it. I, I was like just swirling and swirling. And I even got some uh, quilting gloves. Ginger goes, you know what? There's like even gloves and there's all these things that make it easier to do. And so I, I got some gloves and it was just so fun. Like it's, it's just such a weird experience, like dropping the feed dogs. And it's just not just straight it forward and back. It's like side to side. And it's like so cool. And then you, I love the effect that it created. And it was fun. I was just like, I was scared about going over my fingers, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of scary a little bit too, but just, I just, you know, uh, I've had my injuries with sewing machines, so that, that <laughs> won't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking about how it's, you kind of did, came into it backwards, but I know, right? Eh? <laughs> watching the video, like it actually gave me a little more, um, I think because I know all the rules that oh, right. I'm so afraid I'm going to break the rules and you just dove right in. And I just thought like, <laughs> what am I getting all hung up about? Like, <laughs> you know, so I, how was that going in it, it from that angle? I don't know. I That's a good point. I guess I did kind of jump in it backwards. <laughs> I started with, you know, I just, um, yeah, I just went for it. I don't know. Yeah, I guess, but ru- that's also another really good point, like breaking the rules. Sometimes even when beginner, beginner garment sewers, like the things they create, they don't have that fear where I, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, so it's kind of comes up with experience also comes, you know, um, like sometimes the more you know, the more it hurts you mm-hmm. when you just dive into it. So, yeah. I know. And the that particular episode, she was making a quilted jacket, which yes. is yes. way on trend. Like everybody seems oh, yeah. to be wearing those. I feel like every time I jump on Instagram, I see more and more of those. And, um, you know, you were just so cute when I even suggested doing some free motion on there. You were like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like it was great. Um, well, give us a little bit because you really do come from a garment background. So give us a little bit of your background on how you got started, because I don't even know that I know how you got started sewing. Oh, how I got started sewing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I think I was in grade eight. So around wow. like 12, uh, 12 years old or so. And I wanted, my, my favorite color is lime green. I love the color lime green. And I wanted a lime green graduation dress. Uh, Cause it was, it's kind of like the first opportunity, like 
you dress up and every it was it's just so much fun and i my my mom was taking me shopping and i couldn't find a lime green dress and i just thought i'm just going to make one and then i was like mom i want to learn how to sew and my mom just doesn't know how to sew she <laughs> so um she put me in like sewing classes uh and so every weekend i would go and uh it was really lovely um uh in the neighborhood, all the girls around my age, we would go and we would all learn how to sew together in this uh, basement with like 10 sewing machines. And it was so fun. And we made cookies and learned how to sew. And it was so, and just kind of, it really blossomed too when I just got my own sewing machine. And I think it goes back to the point too. I had no root. I just played around with it. And the things that I created, because I didn't know, I was taking tablecloths and just putting things together and whipping things up because I didn't know even about like not much about using patterns or just, you just create all these interesting things. And then that just led me to study fashion design in um, college. And then I moved to New York and then I was, it's just kind of one thing just led into another. Yeah. Yep. And now here you are. Here I am. Now I (laughs) film how to to sew online and teach online classes. And uh, yeah, everyone, it just says, they're like, you have such a cool job, Meg. I was like, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh So Meg, I want to go back a minute. Did you get your lime green dress made? (gasps) Yes, I did. Here, actually, I'll grab a... Uh, I'll grab this photo. It's just behind me. I keep, I have a picture of me in my sewing studio with my dress. Oh, and we'll definitely make sure we put that in our show notes because, oh, oh my yeah. goodness. No, and, and I have to back up a little bit. When Meg said that lime green is her favorite, she is not kidding. No joke. <gasps> oh, look yeah. at you. Oh, it's awesome. Wow. It has like, almost like a mermaid feel look oh, to no. it. Isn't that funny? I love it. My goodness. The first dress that I made, it has sequin straps and I had sequins in my hair. Oh my gosh. That's my first, because I always have it in my studio. It's the first, it's what made me learn how to sew because it just opened up. If you can't find it, you just make it. And that's what I love so much about sewing now. Um, It's just, the sky's the limit, you know? And now I'm thinking, I actually just, we, my husband and I are moving. We purchased our first home and I have rooms. And now I'm thinking about, I want to make like a quilt for my bed. And there's all these walls. I was like, now I'm, I have, and packing. I said, I do not need any more clothes, but I like to sew. And so now I'm just thinking maybe I should start making some more quilts for, for my home. <laughs> See, I feel the opposite. I have so many quilts now. I need more clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I have I have a question because I'm sort of I've made some garments over the years, just a little bit here and there. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, mainly it was like things for my kids or um, a costume here and there. And I want to know for quilters who would like to get into garment sewing, mm. what advice do you have? Because I feel like it's, I, I think that in some ways it's a little, it's faster and it's got a very quick, like it's, it's, it's more, I'm forgetting what the word is, but like, I think it's just so quick to make that it's very satisfying. Um, but oh, I'm yeah. afraid because, you know, I don't think I'm a normal shape that I can go into <laughs> the store and buy a pattern that isn't like, 
you know, I know how patterns go, <laughs> you know, as far as sizing. Um, so what advice do you have, especially for a person who, you know, maybe is larger than a size 10 <laughs> and that kind of stuff? Well, there's t- uh, the sewing community has done such a fabulous job and there's really amazing companies that specialize with extent, you know, their sizing and they're really inclusive. So there's definitely some indie brands that really, um, cater to, you know, this, um, fit and, yeah, and, um, yeah, Cashmere Rhett is one that really stands out. You should try their patterns. She's wonderful. Uh, Jenny, she has really great patterns. Um, I would start there. Yeah, just getting a good pattern too. And also, uh, you could always, I know we recorded something earlier with, with Ginger. And remember, Amanda shared that it was, um, it was a Missouri star, like on a sweatshirt. So it's yes. kind of like you make a quilt for like, there's patterns that are really cool and quilt. You could do even a quilted mm-hmm. project. So you kind of still get that satisfaction. Like quilted coats are so it, yeah in right now. And there's mm-hmm. patterns that kind of have some piecing in it and the geodesic too, Ginger that yes. I made like that. I took, yeah. So that could even be a fun start too. So it's, it's mm-hmm. something that's still a little bit relatable. And, Familiar. Um, Familiar, exactly. Yeah. So that could be fun. (laughs) Well, and I thought it was really interesting because one of the things that you did that I don't think I did because I I wasn't really taught how to do it is when you were piecing together normally when she was putting her um, little, it was just like a little nine patch quilt and you pinned everything all together first and then you went over to the machine like a garment sewer, whereas normal piecing, at least when I do it, I usually will just do them a piece at a time. Like I'll pin it and then I'll come back and do it. So it was for me, it was really interesting was, just to see your take yeah. on it because you didn't have all that knowledge and you hadn't seen a million things pieced together like I had. So I thought that to me, that was really cool. Um, so it's really fun for me to kind of dabble in both worlds and and just see the way, you know, Tracy and Lori maybe attack a, mm-hmm. a, a project as, and see how you attack a project and then kind of learn from both of you. So I do. I feel like I'm so lucky I get to ride that line. That's so cool. I, Noticing those little quirks for like a garment to it. That's mm-hmm. so cool. I, how you picked up on that. That's funny. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I, I watched the video as well and, and I saw you do that. And so for our listeners, um, she was piecing some triangles together and pinned them and, and pinned them all into a row and then went to the machine and sewed them. And mm-hmm. I honestly, for a second, I was like, oh, that's not how we do that. You know, is what my brain thought. <laughs> yeah. And my second thought was... Hey, she's not going to mess it up because I take all these extra steps where I'll take a picture of the row and then, oh. you know, make sure that I'm putting it back and then putting it the, mm-hmm. the next piece on the right side. But you did that. And I thought if I am in a hurry the next time, I'm totally doing that. Yeah. That was genius. Well, and it is. And it's so funny. And I feel like when you meet beginners like that, a lot of times because they don't know any better, you know, exactly. or, or whatever. And it wasn't that it was wrong. It no. wasn't at all. It was and just it turned different. out great. Yeah. And it was just so funny. And I had never seen it done that way. So, um, but yeah, to go back to Tracy's point of, you know, places to go. I do feel like So Daily, we've been really doing a good job. We have a new YouTube channel. It's called So Daily Network. And there's a couple series on there. The Style Revive series is on there. And we'll put links to it um, in the show notes. But I do feel like finding that place that you know you can go to, I think videos really help. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm not just saying that because oh, yeah. I'm a video producer, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I do think that seeing it really does make a big difference. Because uh, it's one thing to sit down and read a pattern. But when I do those sew-alongs, 
songs, I go back and I rewatch the same thing. And same on the quilting side. I have a couple of like videos that every time I need to do my binding, you know, there's a, a segment from uh, one of uh, um, uh, Bonnie, Hunter. Bonnie Hunter's. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's Bonnie Hunter's class that mm-hmm. I go back to. And it's like, those are such great uh, things and resources that you can reuse and reuse. Um, so yeah, sorry to jump back there, but I was like, oh yeah, I want to make sure that we mention that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I know, I feel like Ginger, you do a really great job of plugging those so longs cause that's what you're working on. So, um, I, I maybe I'll just make sure that if we, I, I feel like some of, a lot of our listeners probably do have garment sewing experience, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, there are also people like me out there who, who maybe if we, we start plugging the patterns that are perfect for, for newbies, uh, I think that'd be great. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, the latest sew along that we have, it's all free. You get a free pattern and you get the videos and it is a quilted bomber jacket. It's the yeah. window quilted Ooh, bomber jacket. It's so cute. It is so much fun. Oh my goodness. I'm making one. Don't tell my mom, but I'm making one for her for Christmas. <laughs> and um, I, it, it's amazing. It is so much fun. And Amanda Crestio is actually, she was the instructor on that one. And I just have to pat her on the back. She did amazing. It's been so much fun to watch her because she was so shy about being on camera. And now she is like a pro. She is so good. So, um, you know, that's been really fun. And honestly, Meg, I feel like you've had a big influence on that too, because you guys just have such a great rapport when you guys are together on the podcast and, you know, when you're interacting. Um, And, uh, you know, so that's been fun for me, at least to, to see that. Um, So Lori, I'm curious because you got started, you did garment sewing to start, right? That's right. And when I started, I was a perfect size 12. I could buy a pattern. I could make it exactly like the pattern was. And I was a happy little camper. Life has changed that just a little bit. Just a little. But um, Kate gave me a pattern um, back when I was still in the office. And just this last week, I made a blouse. And it fits, <gasps> and I love it. Yay. Um, <laughs> we want to see hard. pictures. We'll put pictures yes. on the show notes. Okay, I'll do that. But but yeah, the, the I started out as a garment seamstress, and then I didn't really get to quilting very much until '94. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and because my body had changed, so garments were hard. I just really swung over to the quilt thing mm-hmm. and cause quilts don't have to fit. Right. <laughs> yep. um, but I think it's going to be fun now that I found a pattern that works mm-hmm. that gives me an idea. Then I can a adapt that pattern. Yeah. And totally. make it longer or say. shorter mm-hmm. or change the collar yes. or change the sleeves. And, and I know it'll fit because exactly the first one fit. So, yeah, I see more garments in my future. Yay. What, do you know what pattern it was? Do you remember? I have it in the other room. I'll put it in show notes. Okay. Nice. Was uh, it the gallery tunic? Does that? I know she loves that pattern, Kate. I think that's the right name, Meg. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, she does. She makes so many of those. It's so funny. Yeah. I got to get on her. She needs to make more because I feel like I've seen the same ones that she's been wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, come on, get on it. Come on, Make Kate. a couple more. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a question, Meg, while I have you. Um, because 
I've seen so many people making quilts specifically to make a coat. Right. How do you, how do you know, how do you choose the right pattern for your shape? Um, and, and also plan a size because I've made this mistake before where I actually was given a, a, a jacket pattern. I had to piece, um, it was when I worked in a store years and years ago and I literally have never worn the coat because it was gorgeous, but uh-huh. I made it based on what I thought my measurements were. And I don't think I right. was right. It was, and it probably came, you know, after I quilted, it probably shrunk a little bit. Um, so how do you, how do you go about choosing the right pattern for your shape? And then also a secondary question, how do you know, how do you plan the size so that you don't accidentally cut up this quilt that you just spent all this time on and it's too small? Well, I would say to, um, make, uh, like a muslin. So make a fitting in like just any, just using sometimes, um, you can use like a bed sheet or I just have fabric that you can make some samples. So I would totally just make a sample of it before you, uh, dive into your, your, uh, nice quilted fabric. But a lot of times for choosing patterns, it, it also comes with experience. Like Mm -hmm. if you get to know even a certain brand's type of fit, but I do a lot of the time, I rarely just look at the measurements and jump right into a size. I like to measure the actual pattern pieces and I like to go to a garment that's in my wardrobe and measure. And then I, I, um, or I'll take to take the piece and lay it on the pattern and kind of use that as a guide. If I was a, so if I had a jacket, I would take that jacket and kind of measure the front panel piece and then whatever size that happens to be on the pattern, that's what I would use. Um, but it just comes with experience and every, every pattern company has different sizing. And so it's always like hard to always know what size you are, um, for sure. So using garments already have is, is helpful. Is there a way to sort of, you know, and the first thought I had when you said, you know, making a muslin and I kind of know about that, but I think my thought process went well, but that's, you know, going to be a one piece of cotton versus, you know, two layers with batting in between. Right. Is there some kind of consideration for that added bulk? Um, you would just, um, I mean, I guess you could just make sure it's a little bit more roomy when, mm-hmm. once you make it, like accommodate for that, or you could put on like wear it over like a sweater oh, or a a, like something else something to accommodate thicker. for that. So mm-hmm. you kind of have some layers on and then you would put that over top because it's kind of like the outer shell. So if it's too tight or too, if you, it's still big, once you have that layer on, then you know you need to downsize and, and vice versa. So that's what I would do. That's <laughs> a great idea. Yeah. Nice. Good mm-hmm. question, Tracy. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I like that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that they, I know it's, it's sort of, um, one of the reasons why I haven't delved into right. making one mm-hmm. of the coats is because I'm afraid after that first experience yeah. and never yeah, being able to wear sure. it, you know, when you spend hours and hours making, you know, piecing it and putting it all together and then it, it you can't wear it. It's so disappointing. And <laughs> so I, I, you know, yeah. I can understand that that might be a, you know, a, a deterrent to people trying it. Mm-hmm. Well, do you still have it? I'm sure you, I do. Can you make it like cut? Um, what if you like take out? Is it so it's too small? Yep. You could cut out 
the like a side seat, and add like a panel or oh. in the back. Like, you can make it work. I in quarantine, all my jeans didn't fit anymore, so I sliced out the side seam and I added contrasting stripes. Nice. I want to see that. That's genius. <laughs> so you can totally make it work at a panel. Huh. I have an observation based on pers- personal experience. Yeah. And that is that when I made my first jacket mm-hmm. that was quilted, mm-hmm. I used a polyester high loft batting Mm-hmm. And I instantly gained 25 pounds when I looked in the mirror. Yeah. Uh-huh. I have learned that I want a low loft batting when I make a quilt to use in a garment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's smart. Yes, very smart. <laughs> and I don't even remember what batting I used now that I think of it. Because I think it was a little mm. puffy. And yeah, mm, interesting. That is a very... Very astute, Lori. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, personal experience. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, Meg, I'm kind of curious because you are getting a house. It's so funny. I feel like quilting, you know, when you do start to settle down, have, you know, either you're yeah. having kids or your friends are having kids, mm-hmm. that is when quilting does seem to rear its head mm-hmm. is when, you know, you've got to get those gifts because baby quilts are such wonderful gifts. Oh, so yeah. I'm curious, where do you see your quilting career going? Ah. <laughs> well, I think maybe this year I always – I just – got an idea now. Maybe I'm going to, I always do batch sewing for my holiday gifts. I pick one project and I sew. Mm. Uh, One year I did faux fur headband and then I sewed 20 and give it to friends and family. But I was like, maybe I want to do like little like quilts or something. I mean, it was so, that one, the baby quilt, like Mm -hmm. it didn't take me very long and add some embroidery. I know I literally, my, uh, one of my good friends, she's due, her baby's due any day now. And I know so many, all you know, all my friends are having children. And so I say I'm, there's going to be a lot more baby quilts and I do eventually want to tackle, which I'm going to get on such a large scale, um, like a, a quilt for, for our bed. I really, I really want to make one. And I'm just kind of, I am, I'm a bit scared because for his garments, it's, you know, it's, but it, I screw it up some at the very, I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> well, it's funny that fear you were talking about, Tracy, you know, with your garment as far yeah. as messing it up. That's how I feel almost every time when I finish piecing because I love piecing and I love doing that. And I work so hard to get it so great. Yeah. And then as you can see, I've got quilts hanging behind me. I get to that point where it's like, okay, I don't want to mess that up. So I'm going to go slow into the quilting process. And <laughs> it is, it, it, I think, you know, sadly that fear is, it, it, you know, and it, it, it's actually kind of comforting to know on the garment side, it's there too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and- also for me too, it's working from like a garment pat, like there's all the pieces laid out for a quill. It's like a bunch of like, I don't have any physical like paper that I can just mm-hmm. lay it all out. And sc- I don't know. There's something like that too. Uh, I never thought of it in that way that, you know, yeah. you're used to having like a pattern that you lay on the fabric that, exactly. and, yeah. and, and that's a completely different plus, mm-hmm. plus, um, seam allowances, completely different, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, interesting. Um, Ginger, I was going to ask you if mm-hmm. you had ever thought about doing video series, series crossovers with, you know, quilting for the garment sewists and garment mm. sewing for the quilters. 
Ooh. Yeah, no, I think it could be very cool um, because I feel like there are so many that either mm-hmm. want to, you know, wish to do the other and, you know, where I think you do get to a point where you're like, okay, I've made so many quilts now. I know for me, gift-wise, it's like if I give my family another quilt, they're going to kick me. Like, <laughs> I got to get more creative with my gifts. So that's where the bag making has come into handy right. because everybody mm-hmm. always needs a bag. Right. So I love like the free so-long series that we do. There's two of them this year that we have the Belford backpack and then um, there's another one actually from last year, the Grand Lakes backpack that both of those, oh my gosh, every time I give those out, I haven't done the back, the backpack one yet, but the Grand Lake bag, whoo, that was a hit last year. But mm-hmm. I think that that does, you know, I think every sewist gets to that point where it's like, okay, well, I want to try something else. What do I do? And breaking out of that, either I'm a quilter or I'm a, a garment yeah. sewist, you know, I think breaking down those barriers. I love that idea, Tracy. I think uh, that would be great. Uh, I think I might have my first three instructors right here, maybe. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Oh, well, Meg, I I just could sit here and talk with you all day. Even most days I do talk with you most of it all day. But thank you so much for joining us. Um, we will make sure we get uh, links to all of the episodes that we've talked about in this uh, interview because yes. um, they're totally worth checking out, you know, just mm-hmm. to go see the wild abandonment that she, that Meg attacks her free motion quilting with. It, it's just amazing. And and it is it is inspirational. Like it, it brings you back to that, like, wow, I remember when I didn't have that fear and you know, and it is. It's really great. Um, mm-hmm. So we just can't thank you enough. And everybody, please listen to Sew and Tell. It's our sister yes. podcast. And you can hear Meg and, oh, my goodness, so much so much great sewing advice. So uh, hopefully we'll have you back on here again once you've made your, your bedroom quilt or your next quilt. I know, I, yeah, well, I think I'll be having some que- – I need lots of questions answered. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, we are yeah. here for yes, you. We are. Right. Yes, yes, we so are. Yes, so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for talking. I can't wait until I can travel again um, and come and actually film something in the studio. It's been so long since I've um, been able yeah. to actually see you in person, Ginger. And uh, I know. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Meg is Canadian, so she is up in Toronto. Yes. So we uh, just yeah. have not been able to. And bless her heart, man, she has turned her soon-to-be-gone, you know, uh, studio that she has. Um, she's going to have a whole new one in her new house. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think, um, you know, many reasons to get you down here so we can, uh, you know, I, th- I have a feeling you get down here, we're going to film with you for like three months straight just I to know. catch up on I everything. I'm not uh, going to want to go home. I know. <laughs> oh, well, thank you again. And, um, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and you're so inspirational. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> So today for Fine Finishes, we want to talk about something that truly is controversial, and that is cutting up vintage quilts. Oh boy, it just depends on who you talk to, because some people think that's a great save, and other people think it's like heresy. Oh my gosh, you wouldn't do that. So tell me, Tracy, what do you think about cutting up a vintage quilt? Oh my gosh. Um, This is very controversial. Very, very highly controversial. So, so I I feel like my opinion has, has varied slightly. So when I first started quilting in the nineties, I remember seeing patterns that were specifically for cutter quilts. Yeah. Mm. So this is is what they called them. Yeah, so a cutter quilt, a cutter quilt is a vintage quilt that has damage, 
Okay. So maybe the dog chewed the corner mm. or, you know, something happened to it, but there's a portion of it that you can save. And there were patterns for bears and for Christmas tree skirts and all kinds of things that you could use a cutter quilt and you could make the pattern. And so it really wasn't a big deal. But as I look back on that, I also remember being in high school and I loved vintage clothing and I would go to the thrift stores in my town and there was always a vintage quilt oh, yeah. at the thrift store. There was always a grandmother's flower garden. Like those were so common and I'm so sad that I didn't buy one. You could have bought one back then, Ginger, for mm-hmm. $30. Oh, wow. yeah. Wow. Easy. Oh. And it would have been perfect, like in perfect right. condition, hand pieced and hand quilted. Wow. So fast forward to, I guess, probably when I started working here. Um, whoever was handling social media, and that might have been Carrie at yeah, the time, Lori. Probably. She posted yeah. um, a post about taking cutter quilts and making Christmas stockings. And she said that the comments were so scathing that ah. you would have thought that, like, she was suggesting the worst possible thing. So I, I forget if she took it down. She might have taken it down. Um, and at the time I thought it was silly, but now this whole quilted coat thing has started mm-hmm. and I'm seeing people who are not quilters taking old quilts, vintage quilts and cutting them up into coats and they're perfectly good quilts. And that kind of upsets me because these are people who I think don't have any respect for what they're cutting up. They just don't know. They don't know. And and that bothers me. I do think that there's still, I still have no problem. Like I have some vintage quilts that are damaged. I have no problem taking those and taking the good parts and turning them into something I can enjoy. So Ginger, what about you? I'm probably going to have an unpopular opinion. (laughs) Uh, Only because I am coming at as, uh, you know, a newbie. I don't know even for as long as I have been quilting, which is in that five-year range, if I would even have the knowledge. Like to me, I would think if I was at a vintage store and I saw a quilt like that, and I, I, I would almost think I was honoring the quilt by turning it into a jacket or something because maybe it is a little damaged on the corners and maybe there isn't, you know, I wouldn't go and put it out on my bed or I wouldn't put it in the room. And if I bought it, it would just sit somewhere, you know, I don't know that I would use it. Whereas I look at it like if I was to take it and actually make a coat with it or do something with it, it's almost honoring what it was. But I get where you're saying, Tracy, because I don't think those people that are doing it are necessarily honoring it. I would look to like, that's what I would do is like, I think if I saw something like that and I would just freak out and I'd be like, oh my God, this is beautiful. I want to do this with it because I want to be able to wear it or I want to be able to do something with it, Um, you know, and even taking it and doing other things with it. Um, So I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion or not, but I, I kind of would look at it more in that vein. But I don't know too, like I know if I ever found anything, the first thing I would do is go to you guys as I would 
say, okay, what is this? Is it is it something? Is it this? Is it that? You know. So I, I I think I'm lucky in that sense because I can kind of go to you guys and ask you that, and not everybody has you guys. You know, every other week to chat with <laughs> when you find stuff. So so that would probably be my opinion. But I mean, I found you know I I don't know if this counts as like the vintage thing, but like when my neighbor came to me and she had over seventy blocks that were in her garage in a box. They were her mother's. Um, come to find out, they weren't actually her mother's. I just found this out recently. Um, so they still don't know where these blocks came from. They were hexagons. And she came to me and I was just like, sure, I'll do something with them. And I think if I had more quilting history knowledge, I would have been a lot more afraid to do that. And I created, I took, I made two quilts. I made four pillows out of all of these blocks. And this woman to this day, every time I see her, she just is just like, I think she's going to burst into tears every time because it was something that her mother had just been holding on to forever. And to actually do something with them, she's like, it makes me think of my mom every day. And so, you know, taking something like that, like I said, there was probably, I'm sure if, if one of you guys had gotten these, you might have been a little more like, oh, hold the blocks with gloves or, you know, <laughs> treat them a little more carefully. And I just was like, give me the starch. I'm spraying these suckers. And, you know, I'm just like, I just didn't really have, you know, so I, I don't know if sometimes that's a good thing. Like the fact that I don't have that knowledge, but it's probably, like I said, I have a feeling there's probably people with their jaws like, what, what did she do? Or what did that, you know? So, yeah. So those are kind of my thoughts. Like I said, I may regret saying that. So be nice with the comments, but, but that, that was kind of my thought on it. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Lori? I'm dying to know what your thoughts are. Okay. So. I have repaired vintage quilts. I use care when I repair them, but you can see that they're repaired and those I wouldn't want to see cut up. But mm -hmm. if you've got a vintage quilt that's ratty enough that you're thinking about throwing it in the trash, oh my goodness, don't do that. Cut it up and save the good parts. Mm -hmm. Um Make wall hangings, make those teddy bears that were so cute in the 90s. Um, do something fun with it. Uh, you can reinforce so the fragile fabrics uh, aren't so likely to tear apart, break apart. Um, and yeah, yeah, uh, like I said, don't, don't throw them away. That really is sad. Uh-huh. Way sadder than cutting mm -hmm. up a quilt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just interesting because you had said something about, you know, vintage clothes. And I know I've definitely gone to a thrift store and I've gotten, you know, I cut up a vintage dress that I had gotten for the summer. You know, it was a long, beautiful Hawaiian, you know, dress. And I did. I cut it up and I didn't even think twice about it. And I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that or maybe I, I should have just kept it the way that it was. But I made it my own and I loved it. And I'm going to wear it more because I did that. And I don't know if, you know, getting a quilt and and doing something with it that you know you're going to appreciate and do, you know, I, I think that that's a nice way to, kind of, like I said, can continue on the memory of the quilt or give the quilt a new life. Right. I agree. I agree also. And I think, I think we, I think we've gotten to the point where, we, as a society, um, give our opinions maybe a little too freely. Yes, <laughs> so true. <laughs> you know, because because honestly, I've I've seen people 
who, you know, oh, we have all these quilts. They are, I don't know, they were my grandmother's. And um, they're just collecting dust. I don't want them. Oh. You know, and I, I think that as quilters, we know what went into making them. Right. And there's different types of quilters. Quilters who who feel like, you know, I'm, I'm making this quilt for you. You need to treat it with reverence. Um, and then there are other quilters who, you know, say, I'm making you this quilt. Throw it in the washing machine. Mm-hmm. Love it. Use it. Um, you know, if it, you come back and it's in tatters, then I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's well um, loved. <laughs> right. Cause it's, it's been loved. And, and so I think that, that we sometimes put a little too much of that on it. And I do. And I, I think that the reason why I was upset seeing people cut it up because, because I think that they are just trying to profit off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's a profit thing rather than a, Honoring, honoring, right. or you know, create reusing it to to you know make it something special that you can use. Um, it's more just taking advantage of a trend, you know. Right, right. I hear that, but I have to say though, I love the fact when I do see it being such a trendy thing. Um, you know. It makes me feel cool. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm a quilter. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, and there's some, some pride in that. Like, I don't know. It, it's so funny when that when that does come around. And, uh, you know, because sadly, I do think quilting does kind of get, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but like, uh, you know, like, oh, only grandma's quilt or only this or that, you know. And it's like, no, that's no. not true. And, uh, you know, quilting is is as cool as we can make it, you know. And, and you know, so it's, it's just kind of fun when there is that moment of, you know, trends come and go and it'll probably be you know a year from now everybody's gonna be like why do we make all these quilted jackets you know but <laughs> hopefully that's not the case hopefully they'll stick around and and you know people will start to really appreciate quilts mm-hmm. so or the flip side sydney told me that she thought that that younger people were going to start quilting because of the trends yeah because, because a quilt is so expensive to to purchase mm-hmm. she said i think that that young people are going to start quilting so that they can make it themselves and save a little money and um you know really make something their own yeah i sure hope she's right i hope she's right too i absolutely love to shop at anthropology and right now their jeans there is not one pair they have in there that does not have like scrap pieces on it sewed on and it's so funny and parker's like mom you could make those i was like darn straight i can make those (laughs) i'm not paying like a hundred and you know two hundred dollars that they want for them that the truth (laughs) yep (laughs) oh my gosh well you ladies are the best and Lori, i'm so glad that i got to spend a little time with you oh me too me too it It was was so good to see you so good to see you and um i think that this was so much fun ginger i just want to thank you so much for bringing meg to the show yes um You know, I'm thinking a little bit more about attempting some garments now. So I appreciate you and what you're bringing to, you know, to us. Yes. I just love it. I I really feel like I'm the luckiest person on the planet (laughs) because I get to work with you ladies and just constantly bug you and ask you questions. But then my day job, you know, working with the sewing team at Sew Daily is just, it's so much fun. Like it's always an adventure and I'm I'm counting my blessings because not everybody says, you know, can love their job as much as I do. (laughs) Same. 
<laughs> Same. I just, I think we can all count our blessings. And, and Lori, I hope that you're counting your blessings too, that you are retired and get to wake yes. up when you want. And so when yes. you want, we're so hey, jealous. You're the end game, Lori. We yes. all want that. <laughs> yes. Speaking of that, guess what I'm going to do as soon as we're done here? Um, I'm going to go so. Yeah, I was like, oh. Darn. I was going to guess, go eat lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you guys are back from from Texas, safe and sound. And thank you so much for letting us know all about it. (laughs) Of course. Anytime. As promised, here's my conversation with Sonoma Wool Company owner, Amy Chestnut. While you're listening, visit SonomaWoolCompany.com. You'll rediscover the wonders of wool. Amy, it is so exciting to have you here. How are you doing? Hi, Ginger. Thank you. I'm doing well, and I'm very, very excited to be here, too. Thank you for having me. Well, first and foremost, I have to thank you. Late last night, I had a knock on the door, and there was a big box that was sitting outside. You have sent me some of your wool batting and Oh my goodness, I about exploded. You would have thought Christmas had come, Christmas had come early in my house. It was so great. So, uh, But I pulled the box open and it was so funny when I opened it and pulled it out. My husband was like, what is it? And I was like, oh, it's wool batting. And I'm all drooling over it. And he was like, oh, isn't that itchy? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I was like, you have to feel it. So I ripped it open, pulled it open and he touched it. And he was like, this is not wool. And I was like, yeah, it is. So what wow. is it about your product that really does kind of go against what that, you know, people think of wool? Well, thanks for, thanks for asking. Well, I think the difference between our batting our 100% wool batting and other batting that's out there is that it's not treated with anything. It's the most natural batting that you can find on the market. And by that, I mean, when we, when the wool is washed, our Sonoma wool is washed and scoured, all we use is, is a biodegradable soap. We don't treat it with any chemicals. It's not carbonized, which is a very harsh acid wash that a lot of processing does to um, strip the wool of its veg matter that's very common to find in the wool. And so so what you have when you pulled it out of your box last night, what you have is basically as natural, it's, it's just wool that's been washed and carded and turned into batting for your projects. So I think that's what that's why people really do appreciate it. Yep. I have it, uh, the bag sitting right next to me and I am just touching it and you can really tell the difference. Like it just doesn't have, sometimes I think when you get the other wools, it almost is like you're jagged, like when your hand kind of stumbles across it and it really does just fly right across it. And I love it. It's so great. And it also feels like the process that you guys use, it not only seems like it's great for us, but it's good for the environment, right? It's, it's, it's not as harmful. Absolutely. From cradle to grave, our product is, it's a hundred percent. Sustainable. It's. Re- I think wool. I think you could say that wool is probably the first renewable resource that the that p- humans have used. We've been using it for thousands of years, and we've been keeping it that way. And and one of the other things that we do is all of our wool is sourced from U.S. family ranches, so we know how the sheep are raised. We know what the staple length is when you talked about running your hand across the top of it. We know the quality of the wool, and it's all washed and then batted and and processed all here by companies, again, family companies here in the United States. So sometimes with wool, other wools that come in from, you know, the wool is a global market. 
And so sometimes you don't, you're not sure where your wool is coming from and how it's been processed and how it's been treated and whether it's been blended with anything. Um, I've heard some people, some customers have shared that they've gotten a wool pressing pad and it smells kind of funny and, you know, but maybe they don't know what, what that particular wool has been blended with to give it that smell. So our wool, you just know, because we take it from shearing it from the sheep to putting it in the box. So we know exactly where it comes from and how natural it truly is. Oh, that's great. So not only is it a great feeling product, it looks great, but you can feel good when you're using it. Like you just, it's going to make you feel like a better person for doing that. <laughs> I think so. I think so. You know, we have so many issues today with, uh, with the environment and our planet and what, what, fibers end up in the waterways that hurt our fish and our animals. And here, again, you know, it's not blended with anything. So when you're using it and, and fibers get in the air and, and end up in the environment, it's okay. It's, it's, it's perfectly safe. And, and uh, there's nothing that's going to harm the environment if you use our product. Nice. Yeah. No. And, and besides uh, those really feel good issues, you know, what, you know, what are some other um, things that, you know, um, why should people use the, your particular batch? for their projects. One of the main things is that it's it wool is breathable, um, which means if you put the if you put a, a a fiber of wool under a microscope and you looked at it under a microscope, you'd see scales, and those scales are what open and close, and which makes the fiber breathable. And what that does is is if you use it in a quilt that you're actually going to use on your bed, it keeps you warm in the in the winter and cool in the summer because it air passes through it. And so breathability is one of the qualities of wool that's really important. Loft, um, again, because it's not blended with anything and we use long staples, the loft of the wool in your project, it'll maintain loft and make your stitch definition really stand out. And you can st stitch what, up to like three inches? Is that what I had read? That's what we, no, I have to admit, I'm not a quilter, but yes, that's what, that's what people that we've been working with have told us that, that, that they really enjoy using it for that. And again, because it's not treated or it's not blended, we don't use any resins and we don't use a scrim so that the quilting, um, it's very, there's no resistance when you're quilting. And so I think it's probably an easier thing to quilt through, you know, for your projects. Yeah, well, and I know I'm I'm in the process right now of making a new uh, quilt for our bed. So I'm going to make my husband listen to this podcast. So if he thinks because I'm using wool and batting that, you know, there's going to be any issues, I'll be like, oh, no, 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 this is exactly what I should be using. <laughs> and a lot of people, a lot of people who have said that think that they are allergic to wool, it often is. A lot of studies have been done. It's not so much the allergies to wool, but it might be um, allergies to the chemicals that are in wool or how wool was processed. So um, and how it feels on your skin. Yeah. And then how, how do you recommend cleaning it? Um, is it? Is it easy to clean and maintain? Well, that's the one thing that it, it does take a little bit more effort to maintain is cleanliness. Because if you do take it and throw it in the washing machine, you know, soap and agitation will make wool felt, as you probably know. Mm -hmm, right. And so what we recommend is either hand washing it gently or dry cleaning it in a non-chemical dry cleaners. Nice. So you can maintain that, uh, I guess, the existence of it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. So 
I am curious, how did this all get started? Have you always been an avid wool lover? Or, yeah, yeah, I, I need to know some details. <laughs> I actually came to it. I um, My career was in land conservation work. And so I had a 30-year career doing land conservation work. And in that work, I met amazing farmers and ranchers and forest landowners who were taking really good care of the land. And uh, one of the people I met was Joe Posey, who's a fourth-generation sheep rancher out in California. And um, I just learned all about, he was already using wool for bedding products. And I thought, there's so many other things you can do with this fabulous fiber. And to connect the dots, for me, from a land conservation professional, if we can support the ranchers, our land will be well taken care of. And so if people are consumers and customers are interested in how the land is cared for, if we can connect the dots for them, and if they want to help to maintain the land and all that it provides, clean water, clean air, carbon sequestration, it's part of climate change issues. Um, if we can support our family ranchers, then then basically we're, we're helping to take care of the land. And one way to support family ranchers is to buy wool products. And wool batting is one of our products. Nice. So what other types of products do you guys have? We do have a full bedding line. And again, because um, because of the qualities of wool, the breathability and the loftness of it, we do, we have comforters and mattress toppers, pillows and things like that. And we find because we use a coarse wool, the, the, our wool is between like 28 and 34 micron, which is a pretty coarse wool. It's not like a fine merino wool that you would use for making clothing or weaving into cloth. So, so again, it's because it's coarser, it maintains that loft. We find that our felted products, so we have our pressing pads that, that a lot of uh, sewists and crafters use, our ironing board pads. Again, if you iron, if you use it to iron on, it absorbs the heat. If it's, if it's on your ironing board pad, the wool pad or ironing board, the wool pad will absorb the heat. And you really don't have to iron both sides of your pieces. You can actually just do it once because of the way that wool absorbs moisture from underneath. And then for the home, we have a wool dish drying mat and other things like that. But for sewists, it's mostly our pressing pads and our ironing board pads and our batting. Yes. And I just recently switched over to a wool uh, pressing pad and I cannot go back. It really, it (laughs) saves time. It just, it, it really does. And it just gives you such a crisper you know, it, it, everything just feels so much cleaner and crisper. So I love it. It's true. People for years have been trying to replicate all of the qualities that wool has, and they simply can't do it. You know, synthetics cannot replicate everything that wool does. And so you've got to ask yourself, why are we, why, why are we trying to replicate something that we already have? It's here. We have it. Yep. And, and it feels so good to use it. It's like, why not? Why not feel better about yourself when you're using a product that you're going to get such great results with? Yeah. It's true. <laughs> oh, that's great. So how do people find out more information? So we have a website, SonomaWoolCompany.com. It's all spelled out, SonomaWoolCompany.com. We have a lot of FAQs on there about the qualities of wool. We have a lot. We can answer a lot of questions. And because we're a small company, we do pick up the phone if somebody calls us and wants to, <laughs> has any specific questions about their projects. But that's the best place to start your search is to find us online. So what's your, uh, what's the biggest uh, frequently asked question that you get? 
mostly it's sizes. Do you make it in this size or do you make it in that size? And so we do do a lot of custom orders because a lot of our folks um, have, you know, they're, they're true crafters and they have, they've made their own boards and they want to make sure that we can, um, you know, make something that'll fit, fit in their, in their room, in their crafting room. Oh, but that's fabulous though, that you can get it, you know, just give you guys a call and you can get the size that you want. That's great. Yep. We'll work with you, send us photos, whatever it is that you need. Yeah. To get you what you need. Uh, well, Amy, I was a fan of wool before, but now I am I am a full-on fan of, of wool. So thank you so much for sending me that product. I'm going to be using it and talking about it a lot moving forward. <laughs> thank you so much, Ginger. I'm so glad you like it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Quilt and Tell. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today in our show description. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please tell your friends. Thanks for listening and happy quilting. The Quilt and Tell podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.